Experiencing emotional crisis is universal. All people experience it at some time during their life. Whether it is the loss of a loved one, the stress of being a single parent, the fear of financial instability, the depression of social isolation, or a myriad of other circumstances that affect one's ability to cope, emotional crisis is healed through authentic connection. On today's podcast, we dive into emotional learning and emotional CPR. Emotional CPR is a community health education program that teaches people how to address emotional crisis within ourselves and to assist others who may be experiencing it. It recognizes and integrates the concepts embodied in trauma-informed approaches, cultural empathy and humility, suicide prevention, and peer support concepts to provide a safe, inclusive experience for learning. Today on our podcast, we have two special guests. Lynn McLaughlin. Lynn is an entrepreneur, author, peer, trainer, connector, and consultant. Her life experience, education, and training in emotional wellness, peer support, and trauma make her an exceptional leader, provider, and trainer. Lynn has a vibrant passion for life and deep empathy for the stories of others, which shows up in all facets of her work. Karen Iverson Riggers. Karen is a writer, survivor, advocate, entrepreneur, and community volunteer. She owns her own nonprofit consulting practice. She was most recently the founding director of Iris Place, the first peer-run respite in the state of Wisconsin. Her almost 20 years of experience in the nonprofit sector includes working with Levin, Apricity, African Heritage Inc., NAMI Fox Valley, and United Way, just to name a few. Stay tuned as we dive deeper into emotional learning. Be sure to check out our show notes on how you can participate in an emotional CPR class and how you can connect with Lynn and Karen. Lynn and Karen are up next. the Breakwater Podcast. Uh, welcome, Lynn and Karen. I am so excited you're here with me today. How are we doing? So glad to be here. So good to see you and oh hear you. Gosh. So excited. Karen and I, whenever we are in a space where we get to talk about the work that we're passionate about, it comes through in our voice. I love that. And uh, before we begin, uh, I can already hear your passion and I'm so excited to have you guys with me today. Well, tell us why we're here. Do you want to just give a brief introduction on, on who you guys are? Sure. So I am Lynn McLaughlin. I am a person in long-term recovery. I, from a, I always get choked, not choked up, but giving pieces of my professional resume always feels really awkward to me because I like authenticity, but I'm a peer specialist, peer specialist trainer, recovery coach, recovery coach trainer. Um, 
and really passionate about emotional wellness and an emotional CPR trainer and emotions education 101 trainer. So a lot of what we'll be talking about will be emotion, which is yes. <laughs> Lynn, do, yes, just yes. And I am Karen Iverson Riggers. My pronouns are she, her. Um, I'm a mom and writer and entrepreneur and activist. Um, I'm a person with lived experience with um, the mental health system. I am also a Wisconsin certified peer specialist, an emotional CPR trainer, an emotions education 101 trainer, a TRE facilitator, right? Like all these things, like all these things that I would say that we do. But if I were to say like who I am, I'm a person who is really passionate about creating spaces where folks can be seen and heard and um, really just show up as they are. Um, And so that's like who I am is a person who tries to do that for other people and also tries to create spaces to make that happen. I think it's something so special to just be in the same group of people who you share the same passion with. Um, Because as you know, at Breakwater, we want you to be seen uh, and heard, um, especially when working on substance use prevention work. So thank you again for both being here. You've addressed a lot about this emotional learning and uh, ECPR and emotional CPR. Uh, let's talk about it. What is this kind of new, maybe foreign concept to a lot of our listeners? So, boy, where to start? So, I'll I'll start with when I got into recovery. I heard often about um, taking good care of myself, and very often it was here's the physical piece, here's the mental piece, here's the spiritual piece. But I didn't hear a lot of people talking about the emotional piece. And I firmly believe um, when we're talking about emotion, it's a, a biological response and it's an unconscious response that our body has. And our emotions can tell us so much about how we're navigating life and experiencing life. So in my recovery, I was attending a conference, mental health and substance use conference. And Karen, I should have identified being a long-term person in recovery. um, I also have lived experience with substance use, mental health, childhood trauma, domestic violence, all kinds of things that I have have been part of my recovery story. Um, But going to the mental health and substance use conference, I sat in on the workshop on emotional CPR. And I was instantly taken that there was a place that was talking about emotion and how important it was that we slow down and provide space to recognize that we are emotional beings. So I was instantly taken by it. very much went up after the conference. This was back in 2014 and handed him my card and said, I don't know how I get in, but I want in. Um, I have always been someone who has been a deep feeler. And um, although it's funny, as we were preparing for this, I remembered back in my 20s, um, taking a class on how to get angry because that was one facet of emotion that I didn't have. And part of that was conditioning as a woman, part of that was conditioning in my family structure, part of that was the narrative of be good, 
all of those kind of things. So uh, emotional wellness has always been on my radar. I just don't know that I have the language for it. When we talk about emotional CPR as a practice, and we call it a practice, which I love, this this is not like a a training or a, <laughs> it's a practice, like we practice this because um, many of the pieces of the framework, as Lynn was talking about, are not familiar. This idea of deeply connecting with our emotions and what we're taught about emotions, either from maybe family of origin or what we're taught from interacting with other people or what we're told are okay emotions to display and ones not so much, right? So emotional CPR is about connecting, is really about connecting. So it's a public health framework. It's a public health framework to assist a person in emotional distress or crisis. And I think there's a few like words to pull out of there that are important. So one is that it's a public or community health approach. So anybody and everyone can do it. Just like we learn CPR for our physical heart, where anybody can learn how to do that. ECPR is for everyone. We also talk about assisting someone And I love that language because it doesn't say like fix. It doesn't say like give you 15 resources. It doesn't say like create a treatment plan. (laughs) It says assist, right? Which to me is like, it's really beautiful. When I think about assisting, I think about like something that I do to help and support someone else, but it's not doing it for them. That, That makes sense. And then emotional distress or crisis and you know, the reality is that's that all of us at one time or another have been in a place of emotional distress or crisis. It's just like, this is, this is just part of being human. So this idea that anyone can do it, the idea that it's about the CPR is for connect connection, the P and E CPR or the E is for emotion. I should say the C is for connect. The P is for empower and the R is for revitalize. And so that's that's the framework in, you know, right right there. That's it. Wow. Um, wow. <laughs> that, okay. This is, inc- it's just incredible, right? Because I think, and, and Lynn, I'm, I'm stuck on like, we have help for mental health, right? And physical health, but where's that emotional piece? And I think a lot of times that emotional piece gets lost. And Throughout your entire, both of you, your conversation, I keep going back to like the distress and what everybody has just experienced with COVID-19. And I think a lot of people can relate to what we felt um, during the last two years. And for some are still continuing to feel this. You know, I look at our realm of work and how social connectedness was not there. Um, people use substances because of financial stress, because of we were working from home and going to have a drink when we were stressed out at work because no one was watching. Uh, how post-COVID do you think that this is important for people and, and how can they use this um, as, the, as we heal as a society from COVID-19? So that is a million dollar question. And we have the answer. <laughs> so we'll take um, your million dollars. Now. Yeah. <laughs> um, you hit the nail on the head talking about COVID. Uh, and especially when we think of 
collective trauma. So we talk about that often in our ECPR training and how important it is to recognize that during COVID, our life as we knew it abruptly stopped and we needed to learn how to navigate life in a very, very different way. And very often when you're in survival mode, you go into, there's actually a beautiful graphic in ECPR when you're in that moment of what do I do? You actually completely disconnect from your emotion and you get stuck in a dialogue or a monologue of thought. And in our healing, we bring the emotional piece back in and that's where ECPR is all about. So when we think about the collective trauma, you know, we could spend probably five podcasts talking about the amount of grief that people have experienced that hasn't been felt because it's been, nope, I got to get the kids to school. They're, work, they're having school from home today. And, you know, especially when we're talking about youth connecting, connection is prevention. Being seen and heard, if the value of being seen and heard is compared to an infant being held by their mother. You know, that, that moment of, you know what, I'm not okay. And please don't, don't call an ambulance, just see me and hear me where I'm at right at this moment. Things are hard. And um, I mean, and that, that relates just to COVID. If we look at all of the other emotions that have been pushed down for centuries, we have historical emotional trauma. There's, there's so much around it. And as Karen mentioned in the beginning, that's why we're so passionate about creating these spaces where come as you are. Don't come as you're supposed to. Don't come as you should. Come as you are. And we are just going to hold space and, and hear what's happening in your world. And um, that's it. There's no agenda. And the power of that is we've been blessed to, to see the transformational power of that when there's no agenda, no judgment, no condition, no assessment, no just sit with me as another human being and connect. And I think that, you know, the piece of your question and saying like everyone um, experienced in this pandemic something, <laughs> right? Everyone, no one was left untouched. And we all find different ways to process that, right? Like you had mentioned using substances or escaping in social media or sleeping or eating or exercising or baking bread. (laughs) I mean, but, but, um, So here's what I believe as humans. I believe as humans that we are really good at getting our needs met. If, if we weren't, we wouldn't be here. Right. But sometimes the way we meet those needs, um, further the disconnection from our emotions, right? We, all all of those things can be really powerful survival mechanisms, Okay, they can be really powerful survival mechanisms. But when we step out of slowing down to connect with what we're feeling, right? And Lynn mentioned that. And I think 
I'm going to say two things in connection with emotion. One is that the emotions that you're having are normal. They are normal reactions to extraordinary events. They're normal. They are normal. Okay. (laughs) Second is that when we don't connect with and slow down enough and validate emotions, right? Especially like when we talk about core emotions, like joy, anger, sadness, fear, happiness, right? When we don't slow down to validate those, a lot of times or anger, they, they get stuck, right? And they pour out in all sorts of ways <laughs> or, or we put up defenses or we, um, right? We put shame, we wrap shame around them with the way that we're feeling. And so no one during COVID was able to really escape those things, right? Like they were right there in front of us. <laughs> and so I think it will be a really long road, especially I'm a parent. So I'm a parent of three kids of varying ages. And I think that it's going to be a long road in processing through the experience of what it's like to live in a pandemic. And so when Lynn said connection is prevention, connection is prevention. The way that we, the way that we get through this is connection, connection with ourselves, slowing down deep connection with ourselves, and connecting with others. I think it's really important to recognize too that that emotion that's pushed down not only can come out in different directions, but there is scientific data that physical illness is a huge piece of repressed emotion. Uh, There's also a lot of um, information around looking at depression and anxiety and unpacking those and looking at the variety of motions that are underneath. And I think there's a lot of people that are feeling that way when you were talking about that overwhelm, um, uncertainty, fear, and all those emotions doesn't necessarily mean a diagnosis is necessary. They need a space to talk about it. Um, As Karen mentioned, and because we have all experienced it, And we all have different stories. So it's having that space to process it. It's important to our physical health, you know, all of those pieces. I was going to say that in the background, when Karen was speaking, Lynn and I were doing like this little dance and I've got these vibes like throughout this, like, yes, we can relate. And I I wish so bad that everybody could just see our faces because we're sitting here like quietly nodding. Um, but it's just all so validating, right? That our, Karen, you mentioned our emotions are normal. And in so much of, I think, what we all go through, no matter those, what traumatic experiences you've been through, there's times when you just feel like, hey, I have to put on this face and I have to act a certain way because that's the persona that people need to see and 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 know that like hey I'm I'm happy right on the outside but really a lot of people are struggling and I I love that your mission right is to bring that to the forefront and say like hey these emotions are normal um and I don't even think I need to ask this question who should be engaged in uh ECPR 
right? It's everybody. Um, but do you want to expand a little bit uh, about your programming and, and, you know, your attendees that do come to this? It is, it has been beautiful. So we've been doing this work since May of 2019 and really um, focused work in this area. And we have had people from every walk of life be involved in it, whether it's a clinical professional or a Help me out here, Karen. My mind is going yeah. blank. It's like <laughs> well, I, we've had my people, arms are we've, going out and I can't grab one person. We've, we've had people from faith communities. We've had law enforcement. We've had small business owners. We've had lots of folks from nonprofit come through and educators and a whole variety of folks. And one of the things that I think is most interesting about ECPR is lots of times people will show up and be like, oh, I'm here because... I'm a volunteer for this health and human services organization. I'm here because, um, you know, I'm um, in human resources for my business, right. For our organization. And then they get into the trading and they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm really here for myself <laughs> and, and for my family. And, and that, that is what happens. Um, we talk about it as a practice, but it becomes this, um, this way of being with yourself and with other people. And we just received from this last training that we did um, this powerful testimonial from a small business owner who said, like, I'm just paraphrasing, like, this was revolutionary for my relationship with my partner, for my relationship with my employees, and for my relationship with the customers who walk through my door. And I, now I can't imagine connecting with people any other way than with ECPR. <laughs> wow. um, yeah. Yeah. Just like, and, and so it's really cool to watch that. So when, you know, we say it's for everyone, we're like, Oh, it's for everyone. Um, that it's certainly, you know, if you're connecting with people, this is for you. <laughs> um, but, you know, I can speak as a parent, how powerful this has been for my relationship in, in parenting, um, both to be able to connect with my own emotions that I'm feeling with parenting, because you unpack, unpack that for a second, like parenting is like a whole bunch of emotions. Oh. <laughs> um, but also, um, because I see the impact that it has on my kids, like I've, I've got a five-year-old and he, the other day got angry and was like, you know, he said he was angry. And I said, Oh, did you tell your friend? And he said, Oh, I told her. And I also showed her with, you know, she could see it in my body. Did you see it in my body? Like he has this awareness that I never had as a kid of, of emotions as being kind of fully present, just really powerful. That is so awesome. Um, and I guess that stems into my next question is obviously we're working with youth. Uh, and when I think about, um, you know, that a lot of talking to adults and experiences, even in my own self and how I act now as an adult stems from what I learned as a child, 
um, or the childhood experiences or trauma that I've gone through, right? And I know a lot of people can relate to this. So how can eCPR help our youth kind of, like you just said, learn how to deal with their emotions, um, be able to sit with that, right? And then in turn, develop healthier coping mechanisms that don't involve substance use or other not the best ways. I think the, um, I, I have a daughter as well, and our ability to connect and my, my ability to parent through the lens of eCPR has created conversations that I never had as a child. Um, so a lot, I had a lot of abuse in my childhood Um, And the more I learn about emotions, the emotional component of it was really extreme. You know, the, when you're home, I would, there would be abuse and neglect and then go out in the world and put a smile on. And that feeling of being divided. uh, I think it's really important to the youth from the perspective of parents and adults in their life to be able to hold that space to hear what they're really saying. I think so often, you know, something happens in a teenager's life and as adults, we're like, it's not that big of a deal, Mm -hmm. but it's huge to the teenager. And instead of invalidating, dismissing, minimizing to allow the youth to describe what's going on and how it's impacting them. And I think those spaces Um, are really important. I know we had an opportunity to talk about the Be Courageous piece of Breakwater, which is really, really exciting. And how important it is that we encourage kids to be courageous and speak up. Even more important is that we hear them and that we hold that space of, I see you, I hear you, and I'm not going to change you or advise you or tell Mm. you what's right or wrong, but just see you and acknowledge where you're at in that moment. I think um, that's something I didn't have as a teen living that divided life. I I didn't have anywhere to go to be authentically Lynn and say, my world is falling apart. You know, in, in school, I did pretty well. And, um, I connect with classmates now and they're like, Lynn, I never would have known. And it was because I never felt safe enough to share it. So creating those spaces where they can share authentically who they are. Teenagers are my favorite. And I often get weird looks from people because they see teenagers as really, really difficult people. And I from a developmental standpoint, they are so beautiful in figuring out who they are when we give them the room to do that and allow them to make mistakes instead of saying that was wrong or right. You know, okay, all the pieces, right? All the pieces of helping um, teenagers and young adults. Uh, this is not limited to you know, when I hear youth, when you think of brain development, it goes to the age of 25, our brains are still developing. And I, I think so often we push them, you're an adult, you're 18. And um, 
I could go on a whole different tangent there because we all need support in so many ways. Karen, did you want to add to that? Oh, you know, I do. <laughs> I loved every, like, I was like, yeah, all of the things. Lynn. Um, but I think the piece, um, the piece that I'm really passionate about in envisioning a world where we all have um, the education and the understanding of emotion. Yeah. And so I think especially for youth, like, and I'm just going to pick on this for a second, but like, I think about some of the classes that I took in high school, right? And biology, we'll just say biology, like you, you learn about the body and you dissect a frog and all of that, which is really cool, you know, but how often have I needed to use <laughs> like where to find my pancreas? I just, like, um, and, and how powerful it would be if we were, we put into the hands of youth education about Hannah, as we were saying, emotions are normal, mm-hmm. right? Emotions are normal. They're an evolutionary response. They're an important evolutionary response to help us understand ourselves in the world around us. And if we put that in the hands of youth, like they'll figure out what to do with that. We're to, to, um, to talk about, because I think, and science is catching up with this, this idea that, um, emotions are a body response. And when we don't process them, they affect our body and our brain. And so many of the things that, um, you know, when we unpack and talk about healthy or unhealthy coping mechanisms, and I often like to sh- shift some of that language to say, like, there's there's survival mechanisms, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm like, totally like team harm reduction. I think I, I know it. all of you. Yes, all of you are too. Um, this idea you know, because when we label those things, like we pile on the shame and guilt with, you know, how people figure out how to survive or get through their day. Um, But lots of what happens with making those choices is about how we get our needs met is related to defenses around that we put up around emotion, around avoiding emotion. And so if we, you know, look at that ideal world, where we we have emotion education, we understand that, and where we have spaces where we can process that emotion for ourselves or with more importantly with someone else, I think that a lot of those things would really dramatically shift i I, I shouldn't say I think I know <laughs> because I can say that from my own lived experience. I can say that from my own experience, right? About what happens. And it's still like all the time, right? What happens when I process emotion and what happens when I avoid emotion and then all of the like dances that I do <laughs> around that. And so I think about if, if youth could have that and then have the capacity to, um, they already have the capacity to hold emotional space for other people too, right? Because we don't really teach that how to listen and how to hold space. So, oh yeah, yes. There's a lot we can change. And I just, <laughs> I, lo- I just love the concept of that. We can all still learn, right? And yes. I love that you brought up um, that this is 
survival, right? And we're just doing whatever it takes for survival. And I think working in substance use prevention, a lot of people see that as just like, it's just those people who are using substances. It's just those people who are struggling with, you know, mental health. And it, it, it's not anybody that I know, it wouldn't be someone that, you know, is in my life, but in all reality is just, it doesn't matter who you are, or what you do, we all experience these things. And it all, it affects everybody, right? So it's just interesting. We all have emotions and this is just such an important concept. And I think it's, it's really important to acknowledge the discomfort of it all. Mm -hmm. Um, Because this is, I'm blown away that this has, hasn't come up before that we haven't addressed emotional wellness, that there are spaces to talk about emotions. It's like, 25% of our lives, we've like cut off my arm and that part doesn't matter. And now we're, we're learning how to redo that. And it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to recognize when someone is expressing anger. um, This is what happens within me. And as I had mentioned before, what does it feel for me to feel anger? And where's the discomfort? And where's the awkwardness? And embracing all of that. I mean, that's the other piece, the authentic piece of the work that we do. Um, Karen and I are always blown away by, we just show up. We just show up. And if, if it's... That's something we hold really, really firmly in our training. If we show up and I've had a bad night, that's how I show up at the training. It's like, you know, I am feeling a lot of sadness today, you know, when my daughter goes back to school or whatever, and modeling that it's okay to have emotion and that it's uncomfortable and awkward when you're first learning how to do that. Um, And the practice piece of providing the time and space to do it. And I think that has been one of the most beautiful pieces of COVID is that, can you put those two things in the same sentence, beauty of COVID, um, has been this space to slow down and really get in touch with what's going on with us. So, yeah. We laugh a lot. Like they're laughing, there's lots of <laughs> laughing. And, and what I think is so, um, so I do, um, I've done a lot of mental health advocacy and activist work, um, and neurodivergent, um, kind of disabled justice work. And one of the things that I think is so powerful and Lynn lifted that up a little bit is when we create these spaces for people to be vulnerable and real like the only word I can come up with is magic because, because of, because of what happens. And so we create these spaces where people talk about really intense and real things. They talk about their trauma. They talk about grief. They talk about anger. They talk about loss. There's something that happens when we are vulnerable with one another and this creating of spaces to make that happen. You know, so when we talk about youth and when we talk about what it would mean if every youth had somebody that they were really comfortable connecting with and being vulnerable with. And I like, I'm like, that's it. That's, that's it. Um, If they had, if every youth had somebody 
um, I think that piece around the, that would be world changing. That would be world changing for sure. And I would expand it to say everyone. Yes, correct. <laughs> if everyone. everyone had a person that they yes. could vulnerably connect with. And that was another yeah. Yeah. A huge feedback that we received in one of our trainings was you're teaching me how to connect at a level I've never done before. Wow. Like to never have that space where you can say, I'm not okay, mm-hmm. or I'm hurting, or I need support, or I need help um, in whatever form help is defined by the person, you know, um, it's going to make me tear up because we get to do that work. Well, it's powerful. I- I think uh, I can't speak for the listeners, but you can sure tell in your voices of how passionate you are. And I just want to applaud you one for being able to come on here and share your story uh, because that is something that's not easy, but helps us as individuals connect. Um, You know, I can speak on behalf of myself that you sharing your story, I can connect in in some points and instances and just I see that in my youth work being able to show up tell them my experiences and why I'm so passionate about working with youth the youth then relate to that and feel like they can come to me right and share aspects of their life that they haven't been able to share so I want to thank you um, for sharing your story and for showing up um, in this space and being so vulnerable, um, and sharing with the community, you know, who you are, and and the excitement of just this practice, and and being able to come here and share with them. For individuals who are listening, who are like, yes, finally, someone wants to talk about emotions. um, (laughs) How can we get this out to the community? So they can contact either Karen or I, um, at, uh, <laughs> we can link it in, we'll link it in the show notes for, thank for you can contact uh, us individually. We also have opportunities. Gratefully, we have funding to provide two introductory workshops to ECPR. There's two per month. People can sign up to attend that and you will, you will provide the link. I'm not going to do it do the awkward, try to like say all the, you know, pieces of the webpage, yada, yada, yada. Um, So yes, there's opportunity to attend that. Um, We would love the opportunity to keep expanding and building capacity of people that are able to hold this space, because I think that's, that's the, that's a big piece of it too. Karen, did you want to add anything to my no, that awkward was, closure? That was great. No, <laughs> no, you can um, please get in touch with us if if this was something that resonated with you. Check out the um, podcast notes for the links um, to our work and um, to register. And I think you know, I would say like, and then after you're done listening to this, like, take a minute and like take a breath and slow down and connect with yourself. Like for a second. Um, that's awesome. That's that's my my challenge to all of you listening to um to do that for yourself. So I'm gonna do that too later. Very, very cool and just a great perspective. 
as always, you can email us at info at breakwater.org. Uh, um, and we can also connect you to both Lynn and Karen. Uh, I don't want to jump the gun, but I believe that Karen and Lynn will be back on the podcast um, and in hopes that we can do some of this emotional learning on here uh, for individuals who are listening. Um, again, I just want to say thank you both for being able to share your stories um, and your passion. It definitely comes through just your looks right now, uh, but very much so through your voices. Uh, thank you guys again. Thank, thank you, you so much, Hannah. Us.